Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined with Alexander DeRitter, who is a visionary technologist at the forefront of the AI landscape. As the co-founder and CTO of Smith, he's pioneering Smith OS, which is the world's premier operating system aimed at orchestrating specialized AI agents. He's got a really rich background spanning across over 15 years in computer science, entrepreneurship, and marketing. And Alexander champions practical AI solutions that amplify human potential and advocates for its transformative impact on society. Super excited. Welcome to the show today, Alexander. Thank you for having me. Um, like I mentioned, super excited to have you on and hear a little bit about your background. I'm wondering, could you tell us a little bit about kind of what got you into this space? Did you always know you were kind of interested in AI and entrepreneurship and marketing on this this call, this whole sphere? Or tell us a little bit about your journey there. Yeah, I'm I'm a person who has very strong opinions and founder and um and um a, a person with very strong um opinions about the market and um and ever since I was uh in university in the late 1990s and early 2000s um I I knew the web uh, web was going to change everything. So uh when Everyone was obsessed with coding for computers. I was coding for the web. And uh, when I got my first job and uh, in a marketing company and everyone was, you know, excited about Flash, I was excited about JavaScript and okay. WebSockets and how the web was going to change. Uh, and, 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 and in the same way, um, when machine learning um, opportunities came around. I, I, I started seeing us as 2012 rolled in, I started seeing how neural networks were going to change that field and, um, and then how it was going to impact, uh, internet marketing and so forth. So wh where we are today, uh, is on, on, on the edge of a brand new chapter in the web. And so what what got me into this field is is like strong convictions about where the world is heading, where technology is heading, where customer experiences and interconnectedness is heading, and that often spans technology and people and human psychology. Uh, marketing is kind of the art of uh, elevating human psychology insights to the masses, and the medium is technology, right, to do that. So we're we're on this verge of a new web. And we have a new technology to power it. And um, and I strongly believe that this next chapter in the web is going to be dominated by AI systems. Okay, such a fascinating concept. You know, this is actually something I've been, I've been talking a lot about uh, lately on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and stuff. So I'm like really curious to get your perspective on it. Um, but maybe to kick this off, let, you know, this kind of brings us to today. Um, you have this phenomenal background, but today you're currently working on Smith OS. Would you be able to tell everyone a little bit about what this is, what the vision of Smith OS is, um, how you kind of got started on this? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right. Um, okay, so before, right before this, I, I was working on uh, inkforall.com, which is uh, combining um, semantic insights. We, we started this pioneering AI research with... Um, bar semantic embeddings for uh, an analysis of your competitors so that okay. you can be five times more likely to rank first page in Google. We started that research in uh, 2015, early 2016, uh, built an agency around it, um, sold that agency very successfully in November 2021 to uh, Compass UOL, um, and we spun out uh, our AI technology we had a lot of enterprise experience and try to figure out how to bring this to market. And we figured at that time, hey, we can combine it with generative AI. Uh, we have the portion that scores content and makes recommendations. But this Gen AI, Gen AI stuff is coming up and every you know people are hyping about it. So if we married it to, we create an editor for people to help them create content. Um, then ChatGPT came around and kind of the, the whole industry uh, had a whiplash. Um, companies that were previously valued really high all of a sudden were in trouble because ChatGPT yeah. like took that. Um, every company in the world announced they were now a generative company. So the noise in the market was got like dialed up to, uh, I think like NFT blockchain levels, <laughs> very AI. Um, and more interestingly, and in, um, in March of this year when GPT four came out, we we noticed that um, it could use tools and, and APIs that the AI could know when it needed help. And so being an internet person, um, very much in tune with where the internet is evolving, um, figured out, hey, you know, the web is going to change because when AI assistants, whether it is Google or Amazon or Apple or whatever it is, uh, know how to use a website like a human does, why would I bother clicking? 15 pages to find an answer I'm looking for. It just doesn't make sense anymore. Um, we then saw changes in generative search and so forth coming around. So uh, I quickly got of the conviction that um, websites and brands would have to transform into um, bread agents and serve up their experience through APIs because website browsing is just not efficient for AI agents. And if you want to know if a table just freed up at your restaurant, you don't want to real-time crawl your website to do that. You want to use an API. Mm -hmm. And when yeah. OpenAI launched their um, their plugin store, we were among the first four, 40 plugins to be approved. In okay. the store. Uh, SEO.app is one of our creations. We launched several plugins as an experiment, just launched, tested, saw the traction, saw user engagement, discontinued, tried another one. We did several uh, plugins like that. And um, yeah, quickly started understanding that this was going to be something much bigger than even OpenAI understands. Um, they 
I, in my, in my view, they botched the launch severely of the plugins. Yeah. They botched that launch. Um, yeah, I agree. Now it sometimes an idea can be so good that even, even a, a bad execution cannot stop its success. Uh, mm-hmm. And it will, I believe this approach, this technology, this idea will prevail. Right. So the, and, and I, I liken this to like humans. If you strip a human from all its entire support network and you drop us in a jungle, you can't do much. But when you support us with technology and tool usage and so forth, we can do amazing things. We can put people in the moon. And it doesn't take much. I mean, invention of fire, the wheel, um, all of a sudden you have civilization, the printing press, all of a sudden you're a multi-planetary civilization, as Elon would put it, right? So that, that, the, the ability of artificial intelligence to know when it needs help and reach out for help to others or tools or APIs or plugins, whatever it is, it is... What makes the web executional uh, exec, ex, executable? So we're we're right where we were 20 years ago when Web two came around, mm-hmm. and when when Web one was there, we had static web pages. We didn't have e-commerce. We didn't have social websites. We didn't have anything that we consider normal today. Didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I think like five ten years from now, people are going to look at today and how we use the internet they're going to be like man that was stone age like it's hard to even conceive how backward and slow and inefficient it is to just browse pages to try and glean information oh yeah a hundred percent there's going to be so much innovation so much is changing okay um you gave me so many questions from you know everything you're talking about there the first thing i would love to ask you about is you mentioned that uh you feel like chat gpt open ai they botched the plugins launch Tell me how you think they should have done it uh, to to make it actually more successful. Oh, God. Where do I start? <laughs> so uh, for starters, OpenAI is a billion-dollar-plus company that's run like a, like a startup with, with like, no funding. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they roll out updates live. Do not let the developers know. Um, they break things all the time as they're, like, they fix one thing and then break to other things and roll out. They give up the They take it away. They give it back. Yeah, without communication. And so they have a developer forum. And and you know, at some point, I think there was like one person in charge. And and at the launch time, they had one person in charge of all the forum support and all of the plugin application reviews. One person. <laughs> like the backlog was phenomenal. And then they implemented it so that if if even one character changed in your manifest file of your API, your your plugin would be automatically yanked out of the store because the hash didn't match. And then you had to go reapply, and that could take a week, two weeks to get back in the store. Meanwhile, all your early customers are like, "Where are you? What happened?" Or at some point, we had a thousand four hundred support emails come in and be like, "What just happened?" Yeah, and, and we didn't even know that if we met, modified or made an improvement to the manifest file that we were going to be kicked out, like that was not announced. Then you start investing in it and they um, then they announced like, hey, we're not ready for monetization. No, no monetization. You can't make money with the plugins. 
But then you think about like, okay, well, what about uh, like uh, Kayak and so forth and Expedia who are finding hotels and linking to their site? They're making it's money. Really monetizing. So like what really is your monetization policy? Crickets. Like we did. So, but if, if you're not confident, you'll be able to monetize the thing you put out there. You're not going to put as many resources in, in it either, right? Because yeah. you, you have to pay the bill somehow, like web scraping yeah. and, and like all the APIs powering what you want to do costs money. So if you wanted a really, really high quality plugin store, you, you'd you have some support for monetization in mind, or at least some kind of a roadmap so developers know where what we're building for, right? because we have to yeah. feed the children. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on. Um, authentication was another one of those um big messes um they had odd zero login support but it wasn't really well documented so we spent like two weeks just hacking it together we worked with an open source uh, authentication company called log2 they're amazing um and uh, we kind of figured it out by reverse engineering how authentication worked but so much was missing like we felt like we coded like 50% of the authentication code that should have been provided by open open AI's part and just to make it work. And I think at some point we were the only plugin in the world who had like authentication figured out. <laughs> um, but then it, it just it just continued. Then one day they just changed their specification or how they handle authentication. No announcements, just plugin breaks again. And we're just left out holding the potato bags. And he posted a forum, but nobody else has even attempted to figure out authentication. So like nobody can sympathize and says, yeah, me too. And, and, and so forth and so on. Like, um, oh my gosh. but, but then, but then what happened is, um, in May, Bing comes out and says, we're going to support GPT plugins in Bing search. Uh, and then they announced like a whole list of companies that we're going to launch with. And then after that watched launch of, of plugins, um, crickets, like to this day, that announcement. Really? Go look it up on their site. All these companies that supposedly work. Yeah, I, I literally didn't know about that announcement. So yeah, like they they haven't like updated anyone about it because they're probably like rethinking like how do we how do we go to market without a repeat of what OpenAI has done. And then one last thing, Google had its Google I/O conference or, like for developers around that time too, and then they call them skills. Like very careful not to call them plugins because it's not plugins, it's Google. Uh, then they also announced skills. Like to this day, crickets on that topic. Um, although we do have an indication in the last two weeks um, that Google is moving that direction um, when they added a thing called extensions to uh, Google Bard. And okay. their extensions are Gmail and YouTube. But yeah. extensions, and they have a Chrome extension store. And since the, and since then, they also announced that Bard will be part of um, the Android Assistant, like the Google Assistant, okay. Bard for and for AI Assistant. Yeah. So, so they have extensions for that, and the AI Assistant takes the more and more role of the browser, kind of the ecosystem of web marketing. Then it tends to follow that. Just like they have a Chrome store, they'll have a Bard extension store uh okay yeah so a ton of things they botch and from the user side this is my biggest pet peeve with that whole thing and i would love to hear your thoughts on it but 
the thing that kind of bothers me with it is when I go like first off, you got to go download all your plugins. It's like, okay, whatever. It'd be cool if they were just if they all work. The thing that I hate is that I have to go and like check the plugin I want to use and then go use it. I would love it if I just go to ChatGPT. I have 10 plugins downloaded. I ask you for like a trip. You're just going to go get like, give me the information on the trip. Um, or like I have your SEO plugin. I just say like, hey, give me the SEO keywords for right. X, Y, and Z topic. I don't want to have to go and remember to go check mark my thing. And I just uh, absolutely. Work, right? But when, when technologies like that come out, you, you see the limitations and you understand why they made a compromise and you're, you accept that. Because in your mind's eye, you see it's inevitable where this is going to go next. And so immediately, in my mind, I saw this is a search engine where every website offers their own plugin and a search engine determines which plugin can best answer or, or solve that problem or that skill. And so mm -hmm. instead of like one website that owns the entire ecosystem, instead the, we talk about a universe of intelligence where every SaaS company becomes singularly good at one thing, builds authority, trust and experience up for that one thing. And it's the search engine's job to index that universe of intelligence so that you don't have to go and say, oh, and use that plugin to solve it. In other words, if I would go to Google, I should be able to say, I have so-and-so problem. Then Google should say, well, it looks like um, you want to do so-and-so. So let me go and talk to this one for text, this one for images, this one for... Um, I don't know, turning it into a video, this one to go and post it. And within that, you have sites that you call trusted, which is similar to your plugin store checked boxes, things that where maybe you have credentials with them. Um, and then you have the ones that are not trusted yet, but can be exploratory. And so a whole new content economy uh, can come to life. The very content economy that Google depends on for its life, but is currently destroying in wholesale, and it's like, it's like some people should be fired, in my opinion, at Google. Uh, <laughs> because like what you do is you, you eat the hand that feeds you. That, that hand will stop feeding you. And so content creators are feeding Google. Therefore, Google can make money with a search engine from ads. But once they start taking up their content and then not giving traffic back, you, you ate the hand that feeds that that ate that hand that feeds you so consequences that then content creators start blocking uh google from indexing their site and then you get paywalled websites like you know uh what you know twitter puts a a login page now so google can't get to it etc and, and it's just the start so mm -hmm. how do you create recreate that balance how do you restore that balance well you restore that balance by letting the search engine Right, the the AI assistant version of it, you let them surface your brand agent, so it can interact with it on the behalf of the customer. And here's what that can look like for a consumer: you're you're in your, your um you're in 2030. We're all rich, and it's post singularity. We have no no concern <laughs> about money whatsoever. Uh, and you're like, is my is my car ready? Is it charged? So you're asking Siri or Alexa or whatnot. So how can how can the best AI model in the world how can possibly know if your car is charged? It needs to talk to something or some some someone or something to know it. Well, um, you have in your in your trusted partners or whatnot. You, you you know it knows you have a Tesla. So it goes and talks to the Tesla and says, "Hey, 
uh, Jaden wants to know, is this car is charged? Can you tell me? So the Tesla brand agent answers back to whatever AI assistant you're using and says, yep. And you're like, okay, pull up my car. All right. So it goes back and the AI assistant says, pull, pull up the car. Tesla answers back, can't do it. Garage is closed. Can't, can't drive through the wall. Mm. So now the AI assistant needs to do problem solving, right? So Google does problem solving. What, what does it do? Well, it says, oh, you have a Chamberlain garage door opener. Let me talk to that brand agent. It opens the garage. Then it says, now I can go back to Tesla and ask it to finish the job. It finishes the job. You're still in your sofa. You're not aware of all this back and forth work that went behind the scenes. And it says, mm -hmm. your car is ready. Okay, that's perfect. That's the kind of experience that we're all going to get used to in the future, where AI is actually going to be like problem solving for us. And the way it's going to happen, it's not going to be one SaaS with 10,000 features. It's going to be a universe, an entire internet of capabilities, each website being trustworthy and, 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 and recognized for one specific task, call it like atomic SaaS. And then uh, AI systems that are going to be there both at work and interpersonalized that are going to orchestrate that universe of intelligence. Yeah, something I would love to ask you your perspective on, in order for this future to be a reality, does that essentially mean like every device in your home has to be like an IoT device? I, I think it's inevitable uh, that we're going to get there, right? So in order for... Let's say you have a, a, a front door in your house, right? Yeah. And um, in order for your AI assistant to be to be helpful and open that door at the right times for whatever you might possibly ever need it, it has to be somewhat connected. And so the this is, I believe, I believe that Amazon and Google and Microsoft all and, and all these companies understand this extremely well. This is not a coincidence that Amazon releases like two dozen devices. The, the the war for market share is on. Amazon's strength is in the IoT space. Google's strength is in uh, mobile devices and Android. Apple's Apple equally. Microsoft is with uh, Windows and and and, serve, and enterprise customers. And so on Amazon's side as well with AWS. So everyone is is using right now what you call like leverage, their maximum leverage. They throw their maximum weight behind this. And it's going to be a very interesting few years. I mean, just like we saw the the browser wars. I mean, you know, Netscape Navigator, nobody uses that today. That might be the fate of OpenAI 20 years from now. However, uh, you know, I, I still remember, you know, when Firefox took over and destroyed Internet Explorer. So it's maybe not the first one who wins, maybe not the second one who wins, maybe not even the third until the Chromium project got accepted, uh, adopted and by Google into Chrome. Um, you know, that's when where we are today. But AI systems will go through the same kind of uh, competition cycles. So I think this is like such a fascinating and also really exciting future to look forward to. I like, obviously, like the implications are amazing there's so much you can do something that i think a lot of there there is quite a few people that are concerned right because you painted the picture at the beginning you're like it's 2030 we don't have to worry about money it's taken care of and that sounds phenomenal a lot of people though would say 
perhaps it's dystopian, right? Because if all your devices in your house are IoT devices, what's to stop? Like, you know, we saw in Texas, right? Uh, th this happened a, a number of years ago where there was a, there's issues with the power grid and people that had smart thermostats, the electric companies remote lowered right. their thermostat temperatures. Yeah. Nobody likes that overreach. And right. uh, what, you know, what's our defense? What's, what, what's your thoughts on like the government? Okay, you have IoT devices. The government can essentially listen to and control or or your electric company or anyone. Right. Um, you know, that, that's what I think is going to stop a lot of people from adopting this technology, which could be very cool. So what's your thoughts on that? I mean, sure. Um, tinfoil hat mode. I can I can have the CIA do everything they want. But even today, you don't need to be an right. answer for that. Um, oh, yeah. So, look, if you have a device and it has an API that API can have an authentication mechanism that authorizes who can use it and who can't. If you decide to, to not trust Google and you want your own homebrew AI system that you run on your device or something and you just use that, just authorize your devices to only talk to that AI system. That's your choice. Um, majority of people are going to opt for convenience and that's what the large companies are banking on. Uh, yeah. But there's going to be this group of people who, who still prefer to run a version of Linux with, with 50 VPN layers through it. I mean, that's okay. That should exist as well for people who have that concern. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of evolves. Um, From your end, with what you're currently building, what is one of the most, what, what's one of the biggest challenges that you're currently trying to uh, overcome in that process? I know we got to wrap up the podcast, but uh, as we're as we're finishing here, tell us one of the biggest challenges you're currently working on. Well, the, the biggest challenges are not te technological, in my view. Uh, they're actually more, they have more to do with uh, education and adoption and corporate politics. Um, I think every company in the world currently is scrambling to use AI and how to use AI. And with that, there's a lot of uh, power play as well. That's it, like who gets to run those departments and who gets to own the technology stack? The big companies are all involved. Every agency is pitching every company 50 million ideas. So I think people feel overwhelmed. They feel intimidated. Many business leaders I've talked to have a let's wait and see what happens stance or let's stick with the things we already have, the partners we have and wait for their AI offerings and just organically grow within that. Um, I think there's a huge need for educational workforce. I have had so many keynotes uh, talks where talk about the future and then inevitably like somebody raises their hand and asks like, how do I make a prompt in GPT? Like something like you'd like, what? You're like, it's like a year ago, you're not up to date. Yeah, yeah. The fact is people aren't just the light switch you turn on. This is a transition period that's going to have to happen. And there's going to be a lot of uh, thinking mental shifts in our minds um what used to take like an entire generation for people to get used to uh will happen in a few years time so it will be very demanding and stressful on people i think that even in the workplace and we have to be very cognizant of that in our in our companies yeah i love that i think that's uh so so accurate alexander thank you so much for coming on the show today i'll leave to the listener i'll leave a link in the show notes um, where you can find out more about what they are currently building um, and again, thank you so much for coming on the show to the listener. Thanks for tuning in to the AI chat podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day.